Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Today I have the exceptional privilege of interviewing Dr. Aaron Hind. Uh, how are you doing, Dr. Hind? I'm doing quite well, Jen. Thanks okay. for having me on. Oh, I am ecstatic. So what, what would you prefer that I call you? Aaron's fine. Okay. It's actually Hind is my last name, but people call me Hind, Hindi, Hind. I'm used to it all by now. See, so I already messed it up. I'm I'm Jen Taylor, so like you cannot butcher that. Can't screw that one up. Can't screw it up. No. Not really. Okay, so now I want to talk first a little bit. You are the founder and owner of Life Aid Beverage. Correct. Yeah, I'm a co-founder and uh, president. Okay, and I went to the store. I I cyber stalked you as much as I could, and. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to one of the stores that was listed and I bought the recovery. Um, okay. that was, that was pretty much all that vitamin world had here. But, um, and I know my kids stole some of it cause it came in a four pack and there were only three. So little peeped well, about that. That's a good that. thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's what we want to get them young. But they're taking my stuff. <laughs> that's what kids are for. <laughs> that's true. How many kids do you have? I have two, uh, 13 and 11 year old Trinity and Bronson. So, Girl We're getting to that age, especially my daughter. She's the same size as my wife, so uh, they tend to uh, borrow quite a bit these days. Well, that's actually one of my favorite things about having teenagers, and that I'm a cool enough mom they want to come to my closet. So it's all good. Now, yeah. you were, I'm going to backtrack. You were born in Santa Cruz? Correct, yeah. I was uh, born and raised here in Santa Cruz. That's where Life Aid HQ is here in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. Uh, got a great team here. Most of us are, come from this area. Okay. I actually heard a lot of great stuff about your team. You have almost no turnover from what I understand. Yeah, it's very little, uh, very low. Uh, we actually just had a, a team member rejoin us that, that had left us and then ended up coming back. And so, um, you know, we're all about our people and nurturing our people and really playing the long game as far as everything we do here at Life Aid, and, and a big part of that is our team. And I want to get back to that a little bit. I want to backtrack. You were, you were just to give people a reference, you were born in 75. So just mm -hmm. in Santa Cruz, um, you went to school, you went to school for economics first. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I was always interested in business, economics, international business. So I was an econ major with an international minor. Uh, it, it was great. I was in, involved in politics actually quite a bit in, in college and public policy as well. So uh, before I got more apathetic on the political scene, I used to be involved there. And so what was the, did you just decide that you're a doctor of chiropractic medicine? Did you decide mm -hmm. that that was the business you wanted to run? Yeah, um, you know, growing up and through high school and college, I was also always a personal trainer. So I was very involved in kind of health and wellness as far as that's concerned. I spent a lot of time in the gym. And when I graduated, I was considering going to law school and uh, had, had taken the LSAT. Um, 
going that route. And I also was interviewing at several companies and ended up getting a job uh, with Westinghouse, which was a government contractor uh, in Pennsylvania where I went to school. And I realized in very short order that working in a cubicle for the government was not my forte. And uh, so I put in, resigned after about a year there. And you know, it was kind of did a self-examination and, and realized that I really loved, you know, what I was doing in the gym. I loved working with people and having an influence over their health and well-being. And uh, chiropractic college seems like it was going to be a good fit for me. So I went back, got my science uh, prereqs and applied to chiropractic college. And four years later, I was uh, practicing. And you're still practicing? No, I actually sold my practice, uh, gosh, six years ago now. Uh, since, uh, you know, life fade took, uh, started taking off, but, uh, that was a good 10 year run and, uh, got to learn a lot and meet wonderful people in the community and had a great time with that. So I'm trying to figure out the connections and the segues. I know the information that I read about your chiropractic, you were very holistic, which is taking the whole body, which is also a trainer's point of view. And you worked a lot with athletes, stress injuries. You had a, have a video series called Back in Action. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I heard that in a while. Yeah. And, uh, and you worked a lot with whiplash injuries. And you were very, your approach was very non-surgical. So people I know who came to you that were in a lot of pain. And it was like you either live with pain or have surgery. You were like, actually, there is another way. And so how... How did you segue? That's all amazing, wonderful stuff. I love my chiropractor. Um, he has the same philosophy, and you have to find somebody that mm -hmm. kind of clicks with you. So, how yeah, did absolutely. you go segue into Life Aid? Yeah, well, you mentioned back in action. You know, I had a, a video series. This was kind of pre. Um, P90X and all that kind of stuff. So this this was an idea that I had for uh, low back exercises to keep people from getting surgery and keep them out of the you know chiropractor's office and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, so I kind of had two paths going. One was this kind of health and wellness path, and the other was this kind of entrepreneurial streak. And really, you know, I think Life Aid came out of a combination of, of passion and ignorance. You know, I was very passionate about, you know, getting young athletes, especially off of the high sugar, high caffeine, artificially laden, you know, quote unquote sports and energy drinks and onto something that was clean. And um, the, the challenge there was when I looked at the marketplace, you know, the current kind of health products that were out there as far as beverages are concerned were very hippy dippy. I mean, we're here in Santa Cruz, California. It's kind of the, you know, hippie capital of the world. And, you know, for here, kombucha and chia and that kind of stuff's kind of a commonplace, but for a lot of people, it wasn't. And, you know, what was kind of cool, sexy, and hip at the time was the Monsters, Rockstars, and, and Red Bulls. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they've done a great job at lifestyle branding. They do work, you know, they jack you up, they give you energy, but they're not healthy. You know, they're, they're probably the exact opposite of healthy. And so there weren't good alternatives to steer these young athletes to. And I think that's why, you know, Orion, my business partner and I really pursued uh, life aid because we knew there had to be a better way. We knew we could create something that was, you know, clean and healthful and functional and effective, uh, but also was cool, sexy and hip and had uh, was attractive and kind of lifestyle branding for that younger generation.
Well, I don't think I'm the younger generation, but it was still, I'm an athlete, so I run. Um, mm. And as a runner, I'll test things out by, uh, like, if you're doing a race that's half marathon or more, you know, you need to take some sort of electrolyte and fuel in. And I test things on my training runs because most of them make me actually throw up. And so, <laughs> and then there's the whole recovery aspect of it as well. Right. Um, so I love when I hear about this because I am so anti the sugar filled stuff that's out there. I just won't drink it. And it makes me physically sick. So I know my body doesn't want it because it rejects it. But a lot of people either don't have the luxury of having their body dictate what it wants or doesn't want. Um, or they just don't know. They don't have the information out there that this stuff is horrible for you because you're right. The marketing's pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, there's so much garbage in the marketplace when it comes to food and beverage. I mean, we, we've been and I think that a lot of the big companies have been getting a free pass for way too long for really poisoning our kids. You know, it's, it's, um, it's disgusting. You know, you look at basically the whole middle of the grocery stores filled with garbage and, uh, you know, 90% of the drinks on the market are garbage. Now, fortunately things are changing. You know, we've got 70% of people reading labels now before they purchase products and people are becoming educated on, you know, the harmful effects of a sugar filled diet, the harmful effects of aspartame and sucralose and dyes and so on and so forth. Right. Now you have seven different um, options in the life aid mm -hmm. you have. Uh, and it, I, I love this stuff is so fascinating to me. Um, the fuel, the recover focus, life party, travel and golf. That about covers uh, all of our, uh, <laughs> our lifestyle uh, choices around here at Life Aid, at least for the time being. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much it does. And um, you are on Inc. 500 for one of the Yeah, fast we made the Inc. 500 last year. We'll probably make the Inc. 100 this year. So that was uh, you know, a nice little accolade. So talk to me because it's great to interview someone who has success, but generally you don't launch and have success. No. So talk to me about, you were working a practice, so you had a day job, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, talk to me, though, about the challenges you had with launching. Like, I mean, and it's something that is a food item, so I'm sure that that would bring its own set of challenges, as opposed to a notebook that doesn't really impact me physically. Right. Oh, there's so many challenges along the way. I think that's why, you know, new beverage companies probably... I, I think the, the statistics are, you know, there's only a 1% success rate. I think there's only 5% that make it beyond 12 months and 1% that make it beyond five years is, is the statistics. But, uh, you know, the biggest challenges, I mean, we had challenges from the very beginning in product development. You know, I was uh, putting together the formulations based on, you know, uh, clean ingredients, efficacy, of the ingredients and you know low sugar content and as soon as we brought that to our flavor house that helps you know put the development and flavor together the food scientists we were working with literally in the first two minutes looked at you know my printout and said look this looks great but there's no way you're ever going to be able to put all this in a drink and especially with keeping it low sugar and it's never going to taste good 
And we said, well, that's great, but uh, we're not compromising and we'll find someone else to work with. And they said, whoa, 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 hold on one second and brought us back in and we worked it and worked it and it took a while to get it right. I'm actually pretty embarrassed by some of those first renditions that we had, but we kept working at it until, you know, we got a product that actually was very clean and tasted good without compromising on, you know, the supplement counter or the efficacy in there. Which I can imagine is a really hard balance. That's kind of, I mean, not to bring soda into light, but 7-Up was actually designed to help soothe your stomach way back in the day. It was, it mm -hmm. was something that was used medicinally and it tasted like crap. And that was where it got its name was because it took so many times to get it right. And then, of course, it became something completely different. But originally, it was to help nausea and stuff like that. And so, you know, it takes many, many, many times to get it right. And then you... You change the formula slightly for each one of those seven. Yeah, so you know what kind of brings our line together is they're all very clean, meaning no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. They're all 45 calories. Um, what differentiates each of the SKUs is, is the supplement profile. So each of our lines has uh, different supplements to support the particular you know avocation. So Fit Aid has a lot of supplements for post-workout recovery. Life Aid that I'm drinking now is heavy in natural anti-inflammatories. Travel Aid, all about immune-boosting supplements. Um, Party Aid kind of helps with a, a late night out and so on and so forth. Awesome. So now let's, let's I'm going to completely switch gears for just a minute, but I will get back to something about Life Aid that I, that I learned about you. We actually have a mutual friend. And so that was really cool. So I kind of gleaned different information from her interact, Corrine, my book editor. Her Who, interaction. Who's that? Can you, can you say on there? Yeah, Corrine Casanova. She's my book editor, and she was at the Genius Network with Joe Polish. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right so on. that's so we have a, and I didn't realize that, but she was so excited when I mentioned your name, and um, so she went online and ordered a uh, one of your little starter pack that has a bunch of different stuff in it. And yeah. didn't, inv didn't invite me over. We lived down the street from each other. I did not come over and try everything, but um, she was super excited when I told her. And um, yeah, she's she's a pretty fantastic woman and book editor. So uh, she told me some insight from meeting you that I want to get back to. But first, let's talk. You've been married for fourteen years. Fourteen, yeah, it's amazing. So is there any story behind that? We all want to hear the story behind, you know, meeting your wife. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, actually. Uh, we actually met in a gay club, believe it or not, uh, here in Santa Cruz. Um, I had a, uh, my hairstylist at the time, you know, I was going in, whatever, each six weeks or so, and she's telling me, oh, I got this girl that'd be perfect for you. You got to meet her. You got to meet her. You know, we went to high school together, and, and this girl was uh, a little crazy. We actually used to call her Crazy Cynthia. And uh, so I kind of blew it off, blew it off. So the next six weeks goes by, and I'm getting my hair cut again. I said, whatever happened to that girl? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're actually going out this weekend. You should come meet us. I said, oh, well, my friend's coming in town that I went to, high, to college with from Pittsburgh. So we'll meet you, we'll meet you two out. So, uh, you know, we go out, and... Um, you know, I, I give Crazy Cynthia a call. I said, oh, where are you at? You know, she said, oh, we're actually at this club. I'm like, isn't that the gay club? She's like, yeah, it's the gay club. But we'll come out and meet you. And I'm like, I don't really care. But, you know, I'm with my, I'm not gay. I'm straight. And, you know, I'm with my buddies. So, um, but she comes out and, and 
uh, I go into the club and uh, she introduces me to this guy and not Rama, my wife. And, uh, and so I'm talking to this guy who ends up being our roommate for many years, Tim, great guy. But I'm just assuming that Cynthia, crazy Cynthia is doing a bait and switch and trying to introduce me to her gay friend when I'm not gay. And I'm like, so it was kind of a weird situation. And uh, so I had, a, you know, a, a little, you know, chip on my shoulder that crazy Cynthia had done a bait and switch on me. And um, it ended up Rama, who she wanted to introduce me to, was just outside at the time. So she ended up coming in and uh, we started dancing together and, and the rest is history. And so how long were you guys dating before you married? Six months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it would have been sooner if it was up to me, but uh, she had a little engagement, prior engagement she needed to, to break off, so. So I need to talk to her too then, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yeah. So she, wow. So 14 years. So tell me the struggles and tell me the secret to, to having 14 plus years together. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first seven years were effortless, I would say, just really easy and smooth and fun. And, you know, especially the pre-kid years are always great. You know, you're on a honeymoon and, you know, I was working quite a bit as a chiropractor and, and uh, she was with me the whole time. You know, I think when, you know, when we started Life Aid, that created all new challenges because just the demands on my time and my focus, I really got out of balance for a while. And um, it, it took its toll in, in every way on, on uh, you know, my relationship, my marriage, my relationship with my kids. And, and uh, it's taken me a while to really kind of find balance and I think reprioritize and realize that I can have ultimate success in every aspect of my life. It's not a zero-sum game. I don't need, you know, sacrifice over here just to be successful here. I can really have the intent to uh, hit it out of the park with business and hit it out of the park with my relationships, uh, both with you know family and, and friends and, and all aspects and health as well. So, you know, my attitude has really shifted, I think, after some, you know, challenging conversations and sit downs that, that couples have once in a while. And, uh, you know, now my focus is on, you know, my intent is, you know, being the best version of myself in all aspects of my life and engagements. I think that's true of everyone. And actually what I get asked to write on the most is finding balance. Like I have some magic wand, which I don't. And I think the people that are the best at finding that balance are the people that evaluate it very regularly. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not a one and done. It's constant. Yes, it is. It's, it is constant. Someone told me it's like a, uh, a salmon swimming upstream. You know, if you stop putting in effort, then you get swept away by the current very quickly. Right. Um, and with relationships, especially with, with marriage, where you've got that, you know, incredible intimacy and kids and you've made that commitment, I think that just makes the, it sets the stakes a little higher. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. That's it's a tough one to navigate for sure. So it is it is a tough one to navigate, but it's worth it in the end. 
That is true. So, so I'm gonna. This actually segues into what I wanted to talk about. One of the things I want to talk about, and one of them um, is living the lifestyle that you're representing. Mm-hmm. So you're representing this healthy lifestyle, working with athletes, um, you know, not putting crap into your body, streamlining your health. How hard is it to be the the poster boy for that all the time? Um, I love it. You know, uh, I kind of thrive under that type of, of pressure and expectation and it's, it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, part of playing that long game is I know I have to be the best represent representative of, of this brand as possible. So, you know, forcing myself to, you know, eat clean, forcing myself to, you know, work out even when I don't feel like working out and, um, you know, just keeping in shape. I mean, my goal is every decade that goes by, I'll be 42 next month. I want to be in better shape at 50 than I was at 40. I was in better shape at 40 than I was at 30. And probably not 30 to 20, but I wasn't right, quite uh, aware of it then. But, you know, that's my goal is to continue to get better and better and better, uh, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and with all aspects. But then, I mean, thankfully, you have the party aid, too. So if you, <laughs> if, right. you have, if you have a binge night, hey, you have a <laughs> Yeah, I never said that we, uh, you know, I'm a purist here. We like <laughs> to have a good time, too. We say even moderation in moderation. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, that's one of the points that I want to make. And then one of the biggest things I want to talk to you about, well, talk to me a little bit first about getting traction and getting funding, because you said this consumed you for a while. And part yeah, of that was yeah. being being a chiropractor and having a family and then having this brilliant idea, but bringing that to life. Talk to me about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, there's challenges every step of the way. So I talked about product development already. Probably the next challenge is, you know, getting proof of concept and um, getting some initial traction. And for us, we actually first launched, we had this concept for LifeAid with multiple SKUs and, you know, all these niche products. But... Our, our very first product was actually golf raid that hit, hit the shelf because uh, there was no drink for golfers. And, you know, we were golfing when we had free time once a week, which now I golf maybe twice a year, unfortunately. But uh, when Orion and I had free time, you know, we'd golf once a week together. There was no product for golfers. All golfers were consuming, you know, coffee in the morning and then like Red Bull or soda at the turn. It was horrible with a hot dog, you know. So we knew there had to be a better way. So, um, you know, the big challenge there was uh, this, this industry is so expensive as far as just minimum runs. And it's not like uh, an information product where I could put it up online and with, you know, zero cost of goods and see if it gets traction. I mean, we have to produce 200,000 of these cans just to see if we're going to get any traction. So, um, you know, we were out there hustling, selling seven golf courses here in Santa Cruz demoing them constantly and we saw wow the market's receptive to this yeah people are kind of and this was still early for golf this was seven years ago i mean it's even more receptive today but um you know getting that initial traction getting that initial turn having a story that we could then take to friends and family because you know we started with thirty thousand dollars each so 60k which doesn't last long in this business and then we had to start pitching friends and family and friends of friends on like, here's our concept. It's going to be the next big thing, you know, put your hard earned cash with us and we're going to give you a, a big return. And uh, so we were in constant 
pitch and raise mode for a long, long time until really recently, you know, that was consuming a lot of our time. And worthwhile, but a lot of trouble. I mean, people see the, the, what I would consider more the end result, which is now, which is a successful company that has seven products. Plus you have super cute clothes. I mean, like your shopping stuff is really fun. Um, yeah. I'm the lifeaidbevco.com. Um, super fun stuff on top of the beverages and then getting them into stores, I imagine was a challenge. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a huge challenge. I mean, you know, going from, it's difficult enough, like all the beverage experts said, well, you'll never be able to sell a drink online. Nobody sells drinks online. And so we took a, you know, we were probably one of the first companies to actually get traction online. We also were very successful with social media. And so those were all their, their its own challenges. And then trans um, kind of, moving the business from an e-com business only to e-com and brick and mortar that had its own set of challenges and getting meetings and you know here we're doing all this revenue but it's not showing up in what's called scan data or spins data so every time you go to the grocery store and they take the gun and they scan the barcode to ring it up that data is reported well when you're selling direct to consumer or direct to crossfit gyms or direct to golf courses nobody's scanning so here we're doing millions of dollars in revenue but we'd go to a, a meeting with a new potential partner and they're looking us up like what do you mean you guys have been around this years and done this revenue you don't even show up on scan data so that was a whole new thing like trying to justify no we actually do have traction check us out and, and uh, so we were probably one of the biggest beverage companies that no one had ever heard of unless they were in CrossFit or golf or the Burning Man scene at the time. Burning Man? Yeah, Burning Man. We've had uh, 20,000 cans for multiple years in a row now at Burning Man. We, we donate product. We're a big part of that community. So. Wow. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see that one coming. That's I'm in Nevada. That's how it, that's burning man is consumes Reno during that time where people are getting ready to go. And then we can definitely tell when they've come back. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have yet to experience it, but since life aids there, maybe now that that'll tip. Everybody me. should go at least once. Everyone should go. I would highly recommend it. Well, I have kids that are teenagers that want to go and I keep thinking I should just go and bring them. And that way I have a little bit of, a little bit of control that, you know, elusive control over the teenagers who want to be there. So I'm going to go back to the fact that you have a very, very low turnover. I mean, and this is some of this, and this is where Corrine's input comes in because she met you at um, a seminar and did you speak at the seminar? Yeah, I did. I spoke at the most recent um, Genius Network. I did okay. a, what they call a 10-minute talk, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's right. So um, one of the things you that I learned about you is the low turnover and that you have this amazing team-building kind of program set in place. And I know enough to be dangerous. You know, I don't, I don't know a lot. Just that you have some goal-setting and information like that that's pretty phenomenal. So can you talk a little bit about that? How do you retain your staff, really? And what are the goals? Yeah, I mean, on the most surface level, you, you know, we are very kind of slow to hire. Um, we make sure that we're the, the candidate is really a cultural fit, first and foremost. Most skill type things we can teach or train. Uh, so we want to make sure we're having the right cultural fit. Um, 
with our with the people we're bringing on board and you know we we really look to pay living wages and um, cover medical expenses 401k actually every team member here has ownership in the company all the way down to the, the warehouse workers um, and then you know what we do I think what you're referencing is we have goals for our entire team so each person including myself sets out annual um, goals for ourselves KPIs and like four or five of those will be related to the business one of those one or two will be personal goals as well and all of our department heads each quarter are setting out goals for those that department and they're incorporating some of the individual goals into those quarterly goals and all of this is basically moving towards what we need to get done that year so revenue is an easy one to look at because it's just you know dollars and cents and everyone can kind uh, of uh, relate to that so you know say our, our revenue goal is okay well we want to get to 50 million dollars well we can kind of reverse engineer that and say what do we need to hit per quarter and then how does each department contribute to that revenue goal okay so those kpis those key performance indicators that each department head lays out are moving the needle in a very tangible way towards that quarterly goal which leads towards that annual goal which leads towards our three and five year goals okay so a lot of times people have you know this vision or these goals that they lay out and maybe they have a vision statement printed on the wall but it's a bunch of bullshit it's like yeah you read that or maybe you read it once when someone gets hired but no one ever looks at it again it collects dust there's no real tangible way that you're actually moving towards that right you spend all this time and money coming up with it, but there's no action being taken. Well, what we've designed, and a lot of this is from uh, the Rockefeller Habits and Vern Harnish's work, is uh, a way to um, create uh, very tangible three-month goals that move the needle in, in a very realistic way that everyone has ownership with. And then what we do is during our weekly team meeting every Tuesday, which is company-wide, we read a forward-looking vision statement, which we're about to end the quarter, and I can, I'm happy to report we have 85% completion on our uh, quarterly goals. So we read a forward-looking vision statement as if we've already achieved everything that we've outlined for ourselves for the quarter. So it's awesome because every week you're rereading the same thing and you're moving closer and closer. And as you're hearing that vision statement read by another team member, you're like, check, yep, I did that already. Yeah, I did that. Oh, I'm almost done with that. And then we're all reporting out as team leads what percentage completion we are towards our department's goals. So it's a great way to get everybody from individuals, team leads, departments, and the whole company in complete and perfect alignment on what we need to achieve in a three-month block, in a 12-month block, and so on and so forth. So give me an example of like a personal goal. If I'm an employee of yours and we have, of course, the business goals, which we're kind of doing as a team, and then what would an example of a personal goal be that you can incorporate into the business? Well, there is no work life and personal life. You know, it's just life. So there is no separation between what happens at home and what happens here at work. I mean, if someone, you know, is going through a divorce or someone has a death in the family, does that affect them at work? Of course it does. So, you know, I don't look at it as, 
you know, the, the personal, how it affects work, it all affects each other. So, you know, for a lot of people here, it would be, you know, I want to get in the gym five days a week or, uh, you know, we have 55, I think, full-time team members. We have one person that struggled with cigarettes, you know, and here we are life aids. So, you know, the big goal there is like, Hey, you know, you've got to be consistent with the, the lifestyle and the brand, which is good for you and your health and good for the brand and good for everything. Um, you know, other people are musicians and, you know, getting out and actually practicing and performing on a regular basis because that's their artistic release. So it really depends on the individual, what they lay out there. I don't care what it is, as long as it's something that's progressing them. Other people are like, oh, I want to read, you know, one book a week for this quarter. Okay, great. Let's do it because we know that, you know, sharpening the saw, as Stephen Covey would put it, and, you know, that knowledge is power and moving uh, our, our personal development has a direct effect in how we perform, you know, here in the workplace. Absolutely. But I think what's so huge for me about this is that most um, businesses don't look at the person that they're hiring as a whole like that and incorporate. You're right. Work affects personal and personal affects work and they should be one and the same. But I think it's very rare to find a culture that embraces that and assists with that. And so that, that is what I heard about that you, um, you do the goal setting and that you kind of, and why would anybody want to leave if they're having those personal needs and work needs fulfilled with with support it's like having uh, having your your boss and your team kind of be your accountability partner and therapist and everything all in one it's a fantastic culture so i was very very impressed with that yeah and we also like to work hard play hard so you know we have happy hour here at work every other friday we've got two cakes on tap I and mean, we have a full bar here at work and we have a full gym here at work so we just don't recommend people do both at the same time but every other friday you know we've got we cut loose at three o'clock and we're having some beers or some cocktails and having a good time i mean um, when we hit 80 percent or greater on our quarterly goals which is most quarters We'll do a big trip like we just rented out the Chardonnay sailboat for last quarter and took everybody on a sailing expedition with sushi and drinks and had a great time. We're going to do a big barbecue at my house in a couple of weeks. Um, we're doing a big team building exercise uh, probably up at Lake Tahoe. We'll fly the entire team out and, and do a lot of team building exercises and do some fun stuff. So again, we're trying to incorporate life into work and work into life and not have them be these two separate entities. But how rare is that? And where did that idea come from? Because I mean, I'd almost relocate to Santa Cruz and apply just to be in a culture. <laughs> like that. You know, that that's yeah. huge. So how did you decide? I know your, your chiropractic approach was holistic and this is a very holistic approach. This is the whole person, um, not one mm. issue. So where did this come from? I think it came from, you know, part of it is looking at successful companies and studying, you know, what they're doing. Part of it is looking at our mentors, people that we've worked with closely. I remember a mentor of mine, very close friend that I just spent the weekend with last weekend, um, sent me uh, a skateboard that I still have here in the office that we ride around with a note saying, uh, don't forget to enjoy the ride. And uh, <laughs> I always laugh at that because I always thought it was like you had to be like a made man in order to 
you know, have that type of an attitude, like, no, it's a grind, it's a grind, it's all work. And, you know, part of that, I think that's what took a lot of toll on my personal relationships is I was grinding so hard all the time and so much stress and just taking it all on myself. And I think my big lesson of a couple of years ago was, no, you can't enjoy the ride, you know. Yes, it is a grind. Yes, it is a lot of work. It's overwhelming at times. It's more work than most people could even imagine. But that doesn't mean that, you know, there's no like light at the end of the tunnel of, oh, I'm going to retire at this age and then I can lay on the beach and drink Coronas. That's a bunch of bullshit. No, I'm going to have fun doing it right now. I'm going to grind. I'm going to work hard, but we're going to have fun doing it. And, um, you know, life's going by, so why not be present and enjoy it? And, and so we've tried to really incorporate that into our culture and with our team that, you know, we need to all be enjoying the ride as we're on this fun journey together. Well, I applaud that. It's, it's really rare. So on your Facebook page, you have, <laughs> because I'm good at stalking, apparently, uh, you have two quotes. One is, ignorance to truth does not excuse truth's reality which I love. And the other one is today is a fabulous day filled with opportunity and potential. And so I really think you, you live that. Yeah. So the, uh, the latter quote there is um, part of my morning ritual, which has made a big impact for me and my life and my outlook and attitude. And uh, you know, so when I take my son to school, that's something that, you know, we say to each other when he gets out of the car every morning, um, kind of concludes, I guess, my morning ritual. Um, I actually learned that from a hypnotist probably 10 years ago, and uh, it was the only thing that really stuck. But um, it's been something that, that I've practiced, uh, you know, again, as, along with many other things with the morning ritual. Tell me about your morning ritual a little bit more. Uh, I typically wake up about six o'clock and I'll drink a full glass of water and then I will write in my five minute journal, which is a great tool for anyone who's not currently using it. It's basically you read a quote and then it's three things that you are thankful for, three things that will make today great and one self affirmation. And then uh, I'll hop in the shower and on completion of my shower, I'll do one round of Wim Hof breathing, which is a way to hyperoxygenate the bloodstream and make your blood very alkaline. Um, following Wim Hof breathing, you can look that up, Iceman Hoff on Instagram. He's got 30 world records around um, ice submersion and breath holding and climbing Mount Everest with shorts on and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but it's been a great practice for me. And then I'll slam off the hot water and I'll just basically cold plunge for about 30 seconds or so after the Wim Hof. And uh, then I'll make you know, some organic eggs or uh, on three days a week, I'll do intermittent fasting where I'm not eating anything. I, um, but when I am eating, I'll either do organic eggs from our chickens or I'll make uh, basically a smoothie with fresh berries from the garden and turmeric and protein and um, MCT oil and so on and so forth. I kind of do the whole bulletproof coffee thing in the morning. Um, and then I'll do a morning prayer ritual. And it kind of concludes with the, uh, the fabulous day. And 
get into work and start kicking the day in the butt. Excellent. Um, I'm glad that you went over your morning ritual because I think uh, that's one of the easiest times we can capitalize on just a few minutes of our time because this is maybe 30 to 60 minutes. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I can get it all done in about 30, 35 when I'm, when I'm really cooking, but easily in 60. Right. And I, I think a lot of us kind of roll out of bed and try to tackle the day and turn the screen on immediately and just, it's a little overwhelming, but to take a step back and do this, I'm, I'm a, a huge believer in this. So I appreciate that. So it's a game changer. It really is. Yeah. What, what do you think? So you mentioned the hypnotist, uh, which mm -hmm. I have yet. That's one of the things, one of the only things probably I haven't tried as far as just things that can help you heal or feel better or move through baggage or so that the morning ritual and that expression the today is a fabulous day filled with opportunity and potential you got from the hypnotist. What else have you tried that ended up sticking or not sticking? Huh. Um, well, I think everything that I currently do, I pretty much, you know, piece together from different things. Like I'm a kind of guy that I'll try anything once as weird as it sounds, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, I try to approach things with an open mind. I try to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid a little bit or the Life-Aid in this case of, you know, whoever I'm listening to, whether that's a podcast, a book, a seminar, um, you know, I'm always out engaging, you know, people and mentors of, that, that I respect. And some of it, I'm like, wow, that, that's totally fucked up. That doesn't sound right at all. Or other things, I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds reasonable. Let me give it a shot. And so, I, you know, I try a lot of different stuff. and you know, my routine's my routine. It's not going to work for everybody, but I think there's certain aspects of it that, you know, have value and it all has value for me. And, you know, I think everyone needs to figure out what, what works for them and, and incorporate that into their lives and make it a habit. I'm actually reading a book on habits right now. It's very interesting. Um, but, you know, having that ritual, that routine that, and that becomes a habit, it, it, it change, it may not change the game in a day or a week or a month, but imagine doing this over and over and over. It's just like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym once, you're like, oh yeah, I'm sore as hell, but I don't really see any difference. But fast forward two, three, five years, and then all of a sudden you see a big difference uh, in your body transformation. The same goes for spirituality. The same goes for relationships. The same goes for business. Every aspect of our lives can be continually improved upon if we work at it. Right. And now is your morning prayer kind of a meditation? Um, I'm uh, actually Greek Orthodox. Uh, I'm, I'm a Greek Orthodox convert, which is kind of weird and, and rare, but, uh, and I'm not Greek. Um, but it's, it's a part of the, or the Orthodox prayer uh, that it, it takes a couple minutes to do. And it's just kind of helps me be very present. I actually, go through it in the car as I'm driving. I live up in Santa Cruz Mountains, so I'm coming through the trees and then I drop down to the ocean, go along the ocean. So it's just, you know, very mindful for me um, to be appreciative and to, I think, live my life to the, to, let me back up. I, I think people that experience stress in life is because the current life that they're living or the, or the decisions they're making, that vision of themselves is 
is not consistent with the best version of themselves or the decisions they know they should be making or the path that's been laid out for them. And that gap, that delta creates stress. And so what I'm trying to do is eliminate that delta and be very in tune with um, the doors that are opening, the opportunities that are unfolding, the challenges that are being presented and know and have confidence and faith that everything's happening for a reason. I love that. Okay. So tell me in your entire life, we didn't really talk about your childhood or your parents. And usually I dive right into that, but we kind of went a different direction and I let that happen. I like that. Um, what has been the biggest challenge in your entire life? Hmm. Um, probably right now, my, you know, my mom, who my parents live on the same property as us, and my mom's going through heavy dementia, uh, Alzheimer's at a very young age. That's just been really tough on everybody. And so that's, that's been the biggest challenge. So as a lot of us go through our biggest challenges early on, and you're actually you're not older, but you're older in life. You're more advanced in life to have your biggest challenge. And so what helps you the best to work through that challenge? And I mean, that's not something that it's not something that's just over, but then you can move on. It's going to continue to progress. So what do you do to set things up for yourself to make that progression easier? Well, I, you know, I haven't given up hope, so I'm, you know, constantly researching on, you know, what can we be doing nutritionally? What can we be doing, you know, from a medical and drug perspective? What are the, what's going on with the latest research? And, you know, it's just a little frustrating because there's always a disconnect, I think, between the PhD community, and this is prevalent in all aspects. I mean, if you look at like ketogenic diet and cancer research, I mean, what the PhD community is putting out and what the medical MD community is preaching, there's such a gap between the two. It drives me insane. You know, so when I take my mom to, you know, the local neurologist, like I know more about Alzheimer's than he does. It just blows me away. Like, and, but if you look at the PhDs and what the research they're doing, it's like really exciting and fascinating. So you know, that's kind of the struggle is this gap between um, the research that's going on and the medical practice and then how long it actually takes to get, you know, new approaches kind of into mainstream treatment. So um, research is health and you you're coming from a doctorate background. Yeah, I mean, it helps that I can, you know, kind of decipher some of the, you know, the studies and, and the lingo, You probably a little bit better than the average person. I mean, I've been out of the game for a while now, so I'm not as sharp as I once was as far as that's concerned. But, you know, I do, I do, uh, I can follow it quite a bit and, and it's been helpful in, in kind of digging into things and deciphering what I think you know, is the best approach to these type of conditions. It's the same approach we take to life aid and when we're formulating, I mean, you know, you're kind of reverse engineering, um, you know, what you want the end result to be. Right. I know when my, and dementia is very hard because you feel like you're losing the person that you know. And I watched that with my grandmother 
who said, I can't remember what I had for lunch, but I can remember anything from 50 years ago. So I actually wrote her life story with her because that's what she remembered. And it was mm -hmm. some of the best time that I ever had with her, even though, you know, towards the end, literally she couldn't remember what she had for lunch or five minutes before. Um, so for me, it helped I, to navigate it. For me, I focused on what she was good at. And that was remembering her past. And so, but super tough one to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's devastating. So what advice? But you got to have faith that challenges, you know, we're not given challenges that can't be overcome. And, um, you know, again, I, you got to have faith that things happen for a reason. And, you know, we all, I think that, that we all have pain in our lives, whether we choose to suffer uh, is a choice and, and, and not, um, not automatic. You know, the pain's inevitable, but suffering is not inevitable. Excellent. So if you, if you were talking to someone who wanted to do their own startup or was struggling in their life in something, what advice or direction would you give them? Um, <clears throat> Well, I mean, it's easy for me to talk to the business aspect of, of things, you know, because uh, when you're starting a, a business, I think so many people want to go very wide and broad and, you know, as Dean Jackson would say, choose a single target market. So, you know, go very deep in the target market, make sure you have proof of concept, make sure you have traction. I wouldn't necessarily burn the ships at the shore and quit your day job until you have traction, especially as we get a little later in life, you know, and you have dependents and bills and mortgages and that kind of thing. If you're 20 years old, burn the ships and go for it because you can afford to, you know, take those hits. But I think, um, you know, put in the work, um, it, any quote unquote overnight success is a 10 year process. It's just the reality of it. So, you know, if you're grinding it out for two, three months and you know, you're burning out and like, Oh, I'm not getting traction. Yet. Well, you know, haven't put in near enough time. You know? So you got to grind, got to put in the work, choose a single target market, go deep, get proof of concept. Everything, you know, in life is, is around leverage and um, positioning. And so, it, you know, if you need to raise capital, then if you don't have good positioning or, or leverage, then it's going to be, you know, at, on detrimental terms. If you have great positioning and good traction and leverage, then you can get fair terms. So, you know, put in the work, uh, invest as much as you can in yourself and your, in your brand and, and continue to build it and um, do the right thing. Always play the long game. You know, don't cut corners. The marketplace now more than ever with social media and review sites will find you out so quickly. So do not take the shortcuts. Do not be tempted by, um, you know, kind of flashy objects that can distract you. Just keep your nose down, work at it and good things will come. What's the, what are some of the things that helped you the most with your relationship with Rama? I know in, in real, it's great that you had seven pretty easy years and you have kids. So, you know, the stress and the pressures of all of that. So do you guys do anything together that helps maintain that? The good times, do you do date nights? Do you do conversations? Do you do personal goals? Yeah. I mean, for us, um, you know, I, I, I think incorporating 
life and family into work. For example, we just did the CrossFit regionals in Spain, and this was the first year that I actually brought uh, Rama and the kids out. So we went and we worked the show, and then we had a great time in Ibiza and then Barcelona afterwards, and, and that was awesome. I think for us, you know, what really attracted us, you know, initially was that connection and being on the dance floor together and just that's what we both just really groove and love doing. And, and when we were in Barcelona and out at a dance club and having a great time and just kind of looking at each other, like, why aren't we doing this more often? Like, you know, this is what, what sparked the fire initially. So, you know, making those type of things a priority, it's all the little things. It's not like, Oh, if we only did this one big trip, then everything would be okay. No, that's bullshit. You know, it's the taking the time being present, bringing home flowers, you know, cleaning the kitchen. I cook twice a week. You know, I make dinner for, for the family on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, I, you know, it's just the little stuff that's very cumulative. And when we stop doing all those little things, you know, it's like a cancer. It may start out with just a couple cells and then it overwhelms your entire body. So you can't let those cancers develop. You got to keep doing the little things over and over and over again. I so appreciate all the insight that you've given in your, uh, just you taking your time to chat with us today and um, love your insight. It's so fantastic. On a side note, when you bring the company to Tahoe, I'm available. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are, is that where you're based? Are you up in Tahoe? Uh, well, we're in Reno. So we're oh, just, Reno, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Real close. Real, so I I'm love happy. Reno now. I used to think it was such a little kind of shithole when I was a kid, but now we have friends that live up there and we go up there and it's a great town, great restaurants. And yeah. It's really transformed in the last 20 years. And, and it keeps transforming, which is great. And I, I've been here for 13 years and I, I don't always love it, but for the most part, I really love it. And uh, at the very least, it's close. Even if you don't love Reno all the time, it's such a great hub to get everywhere else that, you know, it's so worth it. It's great location base. So, yeah. Well, Jen, you're only two hours from Burning Man in the playa, so you don't have any <laughs> at least once. Okay. All right. <laughs> It'll blow Thank your mind. You won't. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. So <laughs> thank you so much, Aaron. And Aaron thank can you. be found. I mean, you're easy to find, but the easiest thing I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is lifeaidbevco.com. Just look up LifeAid and everything pops up. You can find a lot of information. Um, gives you all the retailers that you can purchase the beverage from. It's some pretty great stuff. Uh, I, You're right. My kids should be drinking it, but I still want to kind of covet it to myself. But um, it has nothing in it that they shouldn't have. So it's perfect for everyone. And I thank you for your time, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor rerouting like share. And of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.